Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. everybody and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 123. We are recording this live between Asif and I on Saturday morning. That's March 30th. Happy Easter, everybody, 2013. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. The spring has sprung and the sun is out. I'm joined, as always, for all the other 122 episodes by my good friend, co-host, and the Lord of Location himself. <laughs> Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Thank you, Rob. Uh, yeah, it is definitely spring. Um, I don't know what it's like there, but it's uh, it's finally like somewhat warm here in Toronto and uh, sunny and beautiful. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to more of that. And uh, we got another jam-packed show and lots we to talk about. We certainly do. And, and uh, yes, the weather has uh, changed. We built, my, my kids and I uh, built a snowman on the last dump. We got huge snowfall last weekend. And so we said, listen, we're going to do this. We're going to build the, the snowman and it is going to be the shortest lived snowman in history. And I'm happy to say four days. The thing lasted four days. That's a good sign for the Canadian econ or climate because Spring has sprung. Going to be 10 solid degrees Celsius today, and we are ecstatic and sunny. So change in weather, change in demeanor. Everybody's a little bit happier. More people outside. More people using these location-based services now because they like to get outside in the in the, in the spring. Right? Mm-hmm. Jam Pack Show, you, you are right. We've got some great stories uh, today. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a preview so you can decide if you want to listen or not. If you don't, just come back. 124. Don't waste your time. But it's never a waste of time. I tell you that. These six stories are incredible. We've obviously got our app choice of the week, the things that are fascinating us. This year, this week, it's it's a it's an app called Visible. We'll do it on a live demonstration. I didn't screw it up so badly last week that we'll do it again. Um, We've got some great news from Singapore about location-based services that they're launching. Uh, Niantic Labs, uh, which is out of Google, uh, actually getting into the publishing business. We got Loku and uh, I don't know, tracing or tracking PBR, which is a type of beer. Uh, we've got our uh, guest of the week, which is uh, Beer Graham. We had them as a feature a while back. Today, it is uh, we actually have uh, we have a- Andrea Sanchez on, who is going to be talking about what Beer Graham is. We got a, a bunch of stories uh, after that with a- Apple acquiring a Wi-Fi startup, Tibco acquiring a Map startup, and obviously we've got our resource of the week. I can't wait to get into this, but before we do that, let's see if what's going on with the Location-Based Marketing Association. Well, we uh, we took a, a small break for about a couple three days. Uh, this <laughs> three day weekend. break, I love it. Uh, yeah, the three day break, and uh, we're into Easter now, and thankfully, um, but uh, yeah, we're right back at it next week. Both you and I will be in San Francisco for the LVMA San Francisco chapters hosting on the third. Uh, that is this coming Wednesday, uh, an event called Developing for Location with a phenomenal group of uh, speakers from Urban Airship and Pushpoint Mobile and Locate and. You know, just uh, the list goes on and on of, of people uh, that uh, are there to talk to us about tools and, and SDKs and how to build location into what you're doing. So if you're a developer, uh, if you're not a developer, it doesn't matter. We want you to come out. Uh, so that's April the 3rd in the evening uh, at Edelman's head office in San Francisco. So, you know, want to get, in, get get into that agency world too. There's an no, there's easy way to do it. Um, but yeah, come on out. Rob will be there moderating this panel. I'll be there doing sh- sharing some new uh, some new data and uh, yeah, it should be fun. And then um, the week after that on the 9th uh, here in Toronto, uh, we're gathering the troops again and uh, we're hosting an event on retail and so we've got uh, some great uh, speakers coming together from Coca-Cola to Home Depot to Shoppers Drug Mart to you, n- you name it and um, it's being moderated and held at Google's new Toronto headquarters which uh, has been getting lots of press around the design and uh, amazing uh, work that they put into kind of putting this this new space together so if you want a chance to get into, in, into Google's headquarters there you go uh, we, we've made it happen and uh, and my, our good buddy Dave Coleman is going to be moderating that panel. Um, and then uh, the week after that is uh, the Ramp Conference in Chicago. Uh, so again, retail oriented. About four or five hundred key people in the retail industry are gathering in Chicago, fifteenth to seventeenth. 
so plenty going on. Uh, there's always uh, always stuff happening, and uh, yeah. We just we, we hope you can make it out to some of it. It just sounds like there is never a three day break. I love that, but uh, it, it's quite literally, you, you know, it is. That's a respite for the uh, LBMA team. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it, the the event in San Francisco, uh, it, it's, you know, even if it's geared towards, I mean, it's not geared towards a technical crowd, uh, or else I wouldn't be there because um, that would be embarrassing. But, you know, there's an opportunity here for companies, if you're listening to this and you're in the area, you know, and you've always wanted to meet Scott Kavitan from Urban Airship or, or Rip, right, from, these are guys that are pioneers in this industry. It's going to be an intimate event and you have an opportunity to sit in front of those guys and then corner them quite literally and ask them any question you want about what they're doing and how they're doing it. It's a great opportunity for young entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, young companies to be able to get the relationships that you need. and regardless of what everybody thinks around social and LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook is that, you know, pressing the flesh, putting a, shaking somebody's hand and, and creating a relationship in that way is the most important thing you can possibly do. So with these four guys in this room, why not come out and meet with these guys? It just, it, it astounds me. If you're in the business yeah. and you want to connect with these guys and you've always wanted to connect with these guys, you got to be there. So uh, just go, you can find all of these events at the lbma.com forward slash events, right? So go yes. and do that. Go and do that. I have no other announcement. That's it. So why don't we just jump right into today's today's news and uh, and we'll start actually with the app of the week, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Well, this absolutely. is your fascination, buddy. So, go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think uh, for most of us, you know, we're we're pretty comfortable. We we use Twitter a lot to kind of. Uh, you know, both as a data collection and kind of news uh, gathering tool, as well as to kind of get the word out about things. And uh, you know, certainly, I'm I'm a big Twitter guy. Um, but one of the challenges with with uh, with Twitter is, you know, it's uh, you know people post a lot of uh, photos, uh, URLs, uh, you know, hashtags, all that kind of stuff, and it it can become you know, a lot of noise. And yes, there are search uh, tools and filters and columns and tweet deck and all that kind of stuff you can do. But especially around the photo piece, um, it, it can be it can be a challenge to try and find, you know, uh, by location or by time of day uh, or things like that, you know, a set of photos or images uh, uh, on Twitter. And so Visible is a tool that uh, helps you kind of weed through all of that stuff and, and, and be able to kind of do those kinds of searches based on location. Um, which is really cool. So it's kind of like you know a, a search tool on top of Instagram, if you will, by location and time, uh, applied specifically to Twitter. Um, and I think that that's quite interesting. That's quite useful in, in many ways. Um, you know, if you're a brand, uh, you know, you're trying to monitor uh, the usage of your logo or things like that. Uh, this this can be an an interesting way to kind of uh, aid you in that process. I, uh, I mean, I, I like this thing, and and uh, you know, as I've been doing this, I've been doing a test here to see if I can actually um, leverage it, like send a photo, so it'll be on the stream when we do this. But I can't, so I'm, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up. In fact, I'm just going to pull up the screen and, and give you a quick tour of this as we as we go through this. So, um, what you're what you're going to see here is exactly as he talked about is that. Um, I, this is my home screen based on the fact that I have, I'm just refreshing it here for, for you who are watching, who, that I, that I, you know, I've, I've logged in with my Twitter account and I've pulled it up. Um, I've, I've given them, pref, uh, you know, permission to find my location. And then what you're seeing on the screen are all the photos that are around, uh, you know, it's a 10 mile radius. I'll show you this. It's a, it's a 10 mile radius that I've, I've actually uh, chosen or 10 kilometer radius, as you'll see here. And you can, you can adjust that down to five kilometers or extreme, expand that out to, I think it's 50 kilometers. Um, but if you go through this, these are the photos that are nearby. So you can actually click on the photos and you can stream through the photos um, and you can get a little bit more information about them and you can do anything that you want to do, like retweet or find out some more information or repost. And it's a, you know, certainly I haven't seen anything like this, really this clear, this easy to use, this focused on photos, uh, other than obviously Instagram, um, but uh, from a Twitter standpoint, this is this is I, I, I like this tool. Uh, you know, I, I like browsing these things. And if you know apps like uh, Tweetbot, um, if you if you and the Twitter client, if you hold it horizontally, um, you'll get a map of all the tweets, and then you can you can see who's tweeting nearby. But I like this. <clears throat> I like the photos. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, obviously, photos you know are popular these days. The mobile has created a an industry around photos, and I like it a lot. 
What do you think? Like, are you going to use this? Yeah, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure it's something I use every day, but I think it's something that, that if I'm trying to, you know, if, I, if I'm at an event, an LBMA event or something, and people are snapping photos and, you know, and posting them to Twitter, and I want to be able to kind of gather those quickly uh, in one spot, then, yeah, I, I, could see, I could see a use case for something like this. Um, so so I, I like the capability. I like anything that enables search uh, based on location. Um, you know, whether it's photos or, or not, um, you know, so, so I like this and it's nice to see something like this focused on Twitter. Uh, obviously these are the kinds of things that, you know, uh, they're very niche, but you do them well and, you know, Twitter might come knocking on your door one day and say, Hey, you know, we'll just buy that. Yeah. Well, so. I, I, and, and that's, uh, that's obviously what they're playing for is that they get enough users. Uh, I've been frantically trying to, I, I just posted a, um, I just did a photo and a Twitter post, and it's not coming up. It's not coming up. So this is the perils of, of doing something live is that, uh, well, it, uh, it might take a little bit of while, to, a little bit of time. Oh, 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 there it is. Hold on. If you can see it at the top, I'm actually gonna just going to go a little bit deeper into it. Um, click on it, and there is an image that I just posted with Asif and I filming this episode. How meta is that? So... It does work. It takes about uh, a minute or two once you've you've taken the photo to be able to get in there and uh, and into the stream. Pretty cool. Love it. All right. So that is uh, an app called Visible. You can get to it from at uh, ajpapps.com forward slash visible with a Z, not an S. Or you can just download that from the App Store itself and uh, and go to it. That is our app fascination of the week. Pretty cool, Asif. Nice job, buddy. All right. All right. Well, now that that's put out of the way, the fun is out of the way. Now let's get into these meat stories, these meaty, meaty, meaty stories. Six stories, our guest and a resource of the week. Let's roll with this. You are up first with this first story from Singapore. Weren't you just there? Uh, I was there back in the fall. And actually, uh, I, met, uh, I met with the folks at the... IDA, the Infocom Development Authority in Singapore, which is where this story uh, is centered around. So, uh, yeah, the government, uh, the Singapore government, um, you know, part of part of why we we uh, the LBMA uh, are in Singapore and, and have launched a chapter there, and uh, beyond the fact that there's just great startups and, and companies coming out of that market, is is that you know it's the government is is really behind uh, the use of location-based services and and really pushing for for you know for it to happen from an economic development perspective from a tourism perspective um, they're funding and, and getting involved in these things and so this this announcement um, uh, uh, came out this week uh, is from the IDA um, they launched a program called mobile positioning and analytics services or MPAS uh, which they uh, uh, put out a call for uh, for you know an RFP basically back in in May, and they announced the uh, the recipients of uh, the awards of that uh, to four consortiums. Um, uh, one of which is was Starhub in Changi Airport, which is the the main airport in Singapore, um, uh, and then uh, th the three other consortiums. All three of them in involve WiFind, which is a, uh, a member of the LBMA and. Uh, big indoor positioning, uh, indoor location company that we've talked about before. Um, one is with Wi-Fine and Sang Info, um, which is an imaging company. The other is uh, with Wi-Fine and Perennial Real Estate. Uh, and then the other uh, is with Wi-Fine and Tangs. And Tangs is a one of the big, big uh, shopping mall operators um, there in um, in Singapore. And if you've ever been to Singapore, shopping is like one of the, the most important things in that economy. Uh, there's literally like... I think a mall, uh, you know, on every corner, and uh, you know, at least in in, in, a, in a certain district of, of the city, people love to shop there, uh, and the malls are are just crazy jammed with people and activity, uh, and indoor positioning makes a lot of sense in that environment because, like the rest of Asia, the malls are are vertically uh, built, not uh, you know spread out over uh, acres and acres of land like we have uh, here in North America. So. Um, Anyhow, it's you know the the point of this story really is to say that uh, you know Singapore is is a happening market. The government is really behind uh, funding and getting involved in these things. Um, you know, we talk, for example, slightly off off track here from from this specific story, but um, you know, we talk a lot about you know when when we can have near field communications, when we can have this, when we can have that, and you know, Singapore's already got it, and it's because the the, the government is there and getting behind this stuff and funding is like you get on the subway system in Singapore and you just tap your phone to to pay and get on. I mean, and that's because the government forced it onto the subway system, right? 
Um, it, it's not. It's not. You know, we're waiting for you know the private companies to step up and do this stuff. It's the government saying, "Look, you know, we want to be forward thinking. We want to be a country that's on top of the use of mobile and location services, and we're pushing this hap- uh, forward." And, and that means you have local startups like Wi-Find getting out there and 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 you know having a, a home base uh, with real customers before they start going across the pond, which they're doing now. For example, Wi-Fi is coming into the U.S. Uh, in, in a large way. Um, you know, but you see guys like Starhub and uh, the carriers uh, you know, involved in rolling out services around this too. So uh, you know, great job by the IDA, you know, the whole crew over there, the guys that I met there, just phenomenal people. Uh, they know what they're doing, and, uh, and they're really driving uh, innovation forward. Do you think that the government, um, I mean, how, how deep do you think, this is a very loaded question, but how de- deep do you think that the government does? Do you think that they, you know, it's one thing to mandate, it's another thing to uh, contribute funds to it, it's another thing to fund the whole thing, it's another thing to, for the government to be the platform that other, that small businesses move, or businesses, technology companies move into, um, you know, and I always get worried about, you know, the government should be seeding the innovation and then stepping back and let innovation happen, right? Shouldn't be controlling it. Is it? Is that how the Singapore government is doing this? Or, or are, should we, we be worried? And Singapore is, is a, um, you, know, you know, it's an interesting country when it comes to, uh, to this. I mean, they've, they've outlawed gum and, and a number of other things. You can't urinate in elevators. We've talked all about this, but uh, and thankfully they've, they've made that illegal. Um, I don't know if it's legal anywhere else, but uh, I certainly don't condone urinating in elevators. But but when it comes to these things, like you know, how how deep should the government go? They should be the the incubator of the technology and then let it ride, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the role of the government here is is, is twofold. I think I think they they have a responsibility to you know, uh, conduct research, um, you know, and and understand uh, you know what what the citizens want, what they're willing to embrace. Um, you know, provide the data to back up the the use of these services. So, and I know the IDA in Singapore does a lot of research around this. They publish white papers around location-based services and whatnot. We're we're in fact looking to collaborate with them on on some research pieces right now. Uh, so, so I think that's one aspect of what they need to do. And then, you know, the second piece always is to help operationalize some of these services. So, not necessarily completely fund the things right. or or what have you, but but to come in and say, look, you know. Or we own these assets, uh, you know, these buildings, these properties, these, you know, whatever. Uh, we're offering them up, um, you know, as, as test cases, or you know, we'll facilitate, uh, you know, relationships or introductions between, you know, this startup and this, you know, uh, carrier or this, you know, uh, retailer or what have you. So, you know, putting, helping put pieces together. Um, you know, I, I think their job is 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 as a research entity and as a facilitator. Um, and, and somewhat, uh, you know, of a, of a funding body to some extent, right? To to help enable, but I, I don't think you know any government should be completely, you know, funding these things. I, I don't think that's you know a, a proper mode of operation. But but I think so, so. I think the IDA is in the right in the right uh, mix here of things. Oh, very cool, and and I and I like that. It's it's where innovation stems, and and uh, you know, I would I would hope that a, a country like Canada, who's looking for a platform, really, really, really looking for something that a population gate can get behind, would would look at what Singapore is doing and embrace this. And I put a challenge out there to the Canadian government to say, why don't you think about? You can't sell uh, the next generation of government worker on working for the government or being close to a coffee shop or having low cubicles. You sell them on a vision, and the vision. Why isn't the vision about creating Canada as a mobile first country, right? Like enabling it, like Singapore's mm-hmm. done. And I so anytime I see an example of a country that's doing this, um, I, I wonder why we haven't started that in North America or specifically in Canada. But uh, it's very cool. Singapore. Yeah. Go Singapore. There you go. Learn from them. Work with them. All right, so our second story. Now, now you're Google, right? You're this big company. You know, 90% of your, of your revenue comes from search and ad and display. You're moving into all these different directions that are extensions of that, which is, you know, the, the Google Glass, which is the next iteration of uh, always-on, pervasive, uh, location-based connectivity and around context, and, but it's all about ads. They bought this company called Niantic Labs, and um, in November of uh, 2012, Niantic launched their first game, which is a location-based game. We talked about this during the episode in November, one of the episodes in November, called Ingress. And 
it made sense, right? Which is a location-based game. It's contextual. It's on the Android platform only. It's a beta. It's an invite-only game. And then, uh, they, you know, recently, I, this week, uh, Niantic Labs starts talking about publishing eBooks. Asif, around Ingress, the game, and the concepts in the game, and they're actually going to be going live with a book on April 2nd. This is a game that's in beta, that's invite-only, and on one platform. But it is apparently one of the most addictive uh, games. I, I've read reports doing research for this that, that people are on it every single day. They've been on it every single day since the day it launched six months ago, which is crazy to me. You talk about engagement, they've done it right, but now they're getting into the world's second oldest profession, it would seem, you know, which is which is in the publishing business, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So uh, what they've done here is is they've, they've partnered up with uh, a, an author named Thomas Grenanius, um, and uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, uh, but we'll go with that. And uh, this book is to be called Alignment uh, Ingress, and uh, as you say, it's being published in, in April. There's huge traction apparently around uh, around this game. Um, you know, I, I haven't actually seen numbers specifically on how many people are using this, but apparently the engagement is high. Um, you know, it's it's quite sticky. And you know, I, I think this is a, a general trend we're seeing around gaming. Um, you know, whether it's location based or not. Um, you know, we, we've talked uh, before on the show about Rovio and what they've done with Angry Birds and kind of you know creating an entire merchandising vehicle around that, from toys to uh, you know uh, magic places like McDonald's where you go in and connect to their Wi-Fi network and you can unlock new levels of the game and all that kind of stuff. So. But to go into the publishing world, I think this is this is a uh, an interesting departure for them. Um, you know, to kind of move from what happens in a mobile framework to what happens in a in a print framework. Um, but Google Google's been known to do it, that, it, eh? Like um, like Google yeah. wanted to get into television ads and buy bulk television ads and sell bulk television ads as an extension for their brands that are that are really uh, investing in them. Um, so maybe it doesn't surprise me as much, but uh, but through the game. Um, it's just it's a backwards way of doing it. It would seem. Uh, yeah, and this this guy that they've brought on the public, the author, if you will, um, you know, apparently he's you know he's he's coming from a series of of successful books uh, called Raising Atlantis, uh, and that this Ingress thing that they're launching this ebook is a prequel to his existing series. So I mean, there's already a a community uh, that they're tapping into, uh, so to speak, as well. So it's not a, a completely uh, you know, new venture from that perspective. For, from his, if you layer his his perspective on top of this, so I mean, obviously, people have read his books. Um, you know, the, the, there will be some interest in this. It's an extension of the game uh, as well, in, in potentially into a new audience. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see. This is an interesting experiment. Um, there was a um, there was a company way way back when. Now I'm, I'm like more than a year. I'm trying to think of the name of it. That built a location based comic book uh, uh, series. I don't know if you remember it. I can't remember it. it. It was the guys, I think it was the guys who built Barcode Hero or something like that um, that um, kind of kind of pivoted it into comic books. And so what they did was is they wrote a, a, a comic book uh, series and you would have to go to certain places and I think scan barcodes if I recall. Um, and every time you went to one of these places and scanned a barcode, it, it opened up a new chapter of the book um, that you know you couldn't get otherwise, um, and, and that was kind of interesting. But but it was still digital. Like I mean uh, I mean and as is this, this is an ebook, so um, you know we're not talking about physically printing here. But still, you know, you know I, I see some you know some similarities to that. So uh, I'll, I'll see if I can dig that up in time for the next show. I can't remember now, but I, I want to say. Uh, it, it was definitely a comic book series, and uh, and I think it was the Barcode Hero guys that, that had done that. But well, that's, yeah. I, I, you know, this is an interesting play because it is a um, like if you talk about a, an experimentation uh, experiment in in developing a new audience, leveraging somebody else's audience to to develop a new audience for something like Niantic uh, for uh, for Ingress. Um, this is this this could be a great case study in order to be able to do that. You take a brand, a known brand with an audience, and you take a, um, a you know an emerging brand in Ingress and Niantic Labs, and you put them together, and you create this this backstory that creates obviously, as you said, more loyalty for the game itself, and it's still in beta. 
So you are creating anticipation in a positive way for the game to come out across other platforms if it should ever do that. So interesting, yeah. interesting, interesting time when we get into ebooks. Um, you know, semi-traditional publishing, I would say, and and a location-based game. Um, very, very, very interesting. And and we can't, I can't find for the life of me, I can't find any numbers about how many people are playing Ingress. So if you guys know that, you know, tweet at us and let us know, please. Yeah. So uh, I, I just went back quickly while we were while we were chatting there, and it looks like it's the uh, the Sticky Bits guys way back when uh, in I think somewhere around episode three or four of of the show, like wow. way back when. Uh, we talked about it, and, and they had done um, um, with Snapdragon was the name of the company um, that had come out of that. And um, so look look up Snapdragon comic books scanning location based stuff. Wow. There you go. See, I'm good. I'm good filler, right? You could tell that Asif was trying to find that information, so I'll just keep talking until it's uh, until he, he does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, no. So now it's uh, time for our third story, which is um, around beer. Yeah. So um, Loku uh, is a company we, we've covered, uh, I think, once before on this show. They're, they're a menu management company, so they're all about restaurants and, and you know, digitizing their menus, uh, you know, work somewhat in the same space as Yelp. Um, but they're, uh, they're a company that uh, is all about data. And, um, you know, we, you and I love data companies. We, we talk about them all the time. And uh, what they've done here is, is, is put together some interesting uh, heat maps uh, based on that data to kind of show the density in San Francisco and New York of where people are drinking PBR, Pabst Blue, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, beer, uh, as well as Bud Light, I think, and they kind of contrasted those two, and they were able to show that it's not just, you know, that we think that hipsters like uh, PBR, I'm going to just say PBR, it's easier, um, that, but in fact, hipsters do do like PBR, and, and the Williamsburg area in particular, um, you know, um, from a heat map perspective, really lit up in terms of, uh, you know, where there's a density of, uh, of PBR drinkers. And so, you know, this kind of thing is, is really interesting because I think it's, um, you know, in terms of showing trends, in terms of showing, you know, how uh, tastes and, and are, are moving and evolving. And, you know, if you're a restaurant owner, a bar owner, a pub owner, what have you, um, you know, listening, so to speak, to this kind of conversation uh, from a data perspective and being able to adjust, uh, you know, what you're serving, what you're carrying, um, you know, potentially in real time, you know, can be quite interesting and, and, and potentially give you a, that leg up over, over competition. So I, I like this kind of stuff. It's, it's data. And when you put it together with, with a, uh, you know, a coming trend or when you're able to decipher a coming trend or, you know, something's happening in the East Coast that uh, the West Coast hasn't hit yet, um, you, can, you can look as a business owner. You're looking for any kind of competitive advantage you can. And this is where I, this kind of data comes in very, very, very appreciated, appreciated. because when, when, you, when you see something like this, when you see it so so clearly that it has an impact on business, you should be using it, and that's why I, I mean I like the, the big story here is is Loku pushing out this 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 content or this data, and and actually doing it in a, in a productive in a productive way to help their customers make a business decision. That's what I like about this. Yeah. So if you're if you're interested in this, go to uh, you know the, the best thing you can do is go to uh, Loku.com. L O C U.com. You'll find some information about that. You'll find the release about that as well. And and if you happen to be a, I mean it's a great great article and a great case study on Forbes.com. And it shows the difference between uh, you, you know a Bud distribution and uh, PBR distribution. And you'll see where it's where it's like you know it's, I, I think it's marginal, um, but there is a little bit deeper heat map around uh, around those areas where the the they, the so-called hipsters hang. Yeah. Yeah. If only we were yeah, hipsters. Exactly. We I don't have thick glasses, right? <laughs> All right. Um, so loku.com, L-O-C-U.com. If you're interested in a little bit more information about that, I, I, I like these kind of services, right? They're helping you. They're, they're, you know, bringing that data in and then they're helping you again. So they're helping you distribute your menu and then they're also helping you make decisions about your menu and that is the power uh, that these guys bring so very 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 cool locu.com locu.com all right, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to talk about well, while we were on the conversation of beer, it just seems so well. I mean, just you know, it's perfectly architected to fit right into here. Is that uh, we talked two episodes ago 
about that would have been 121 about beergram uh, and it's a company that uh, that it's a, a highly 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 location specific uh, application that uh, highlights craft breweries uh, so that is there's nothing more local than craft breweries right and uh, so uh, I had a challenge out and I wanted to go out and get uh, Andrea uh, Sanchez on who is the co-founder of beergram they're based in Austin and we I wanted to just talk to her about her business her business model the way that it works and and uh, ended up having a great conversation with her. The episode will be up in a couple of weeks on Untether.tv, but we're going to use a clip here of it right now. It's about a five or six minute clip around uh, around her company, Beergram. This is a, a, a pretty unique offering because it, uh, you know, if you are a beer drinker, uh, there's a difference between a bud, right, a PBR, and some of these craft breweries where, y you know, it has mm. become a hobby. And you'll, you'll hear throughout the entire episode, um, she talks about it. She she goes to every uh, craft pub that she can get to, and uh, that's just as a Canadian, we just appreciate that kind of effort and uh, that kind of dedication to her beer drinking craft. So uh, here is Andrea Sanchez. Uh, we'll come back and talk about it on the flip. This is Andrea Sanchez, who is the founder of Beergram. Andrea, thank you so much for being a part of this. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, I'm I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, beer is at the heart of every Canadian. So anytime we can receive or send beer, it is it is part of our, I mean, it's basically our currency right up here. So uh, it, I'm very fascinated by what you're doing. I'm fascinated by some of the things that happened around South by Southwest this past year. But And I'm fascinated around your business model and I'm trying to understand how you came to be and the tactics that you implemented and the lessons that you've learned. And we've got a very short period of time. So we're gonna dive right into it. I'd like to know, where you come from? You you are uh, you are in Austin. That's all I know about you. So can you please fill everybody sure. else in? Yeah. So uh, I'll try to keep my very long story brief. Um, I graduated from UT. I'm a UT graduate and uh, worked in uh, as a broker in the oil and gas space for about six years. And in doing that, I decided to go to law school. <clears throat> it was part of my job. Yeah, I was. Um, so I did. I went. I went to law school for a year, and then after my uh, first year, I I worked for a federal judge, which pretty much sealed it for me. I knew law wasn't for me, and it wasn't what I wanted to do. And the whole time that I worked, so I I um, traded, and then I worked software on software platforms for a company called Platts out of Houston, and. Um, I had a lot of, I mean, at the time I was already thinking about ways that we could improve our current software. I had a lot of ideas. And when I went to law school, I kept thinking about these things I wanted to build. So I dropped out of law school and um, came back to Austin to study computer science in the evenings. And I learned, um, so this was before the iPhone had come out. There was a lot of things that I wanted to create, basically web apps, but there wasn't the right platform. Then we, you know, we had the iPhone and that the rest was history. So um that's kind of like you know how I got started but um I actually went to some of those really intense code camps so like in 7 days all you do is learn the iOS um you know platform and you start building things and in doing that I met some of the people that I work with now um that are helping me we you know, we we build in-house uh we build beergram with the beergram team um, so yeah, so that's kind of how that's that's where I come from. It's my background story. So uh, let me get this straight: you um, you became a lawyer, or and then you decided that you didn't yeah. want to be a lawyer. Well, I, I didn't become a lawyer. I went school. to my first year of law okay. school. I dropped out before second and third year. Okay. Yeah. And before, before my tuition at bills added up more. So, <laughs> yeah, before you realized that you'd have to go and get a job to pay that off and get into that cycle, right? Um, Exactly. Were you yes. always, uh, did you always have that kind of, um, I don't know, entrepreneurial feeling that you wanted to do something on your own independent? Um, I, you know, actually I did. I'd, I'd say maybe not as an undergrad, but I knew once I started working, uh, my first job, I mean, I mean, I did. Um, and basically my, my thing was just learning after my first year as a broker, kind of, the, I like to improve things where I worked. So I was constantly spearheading. And after, you know, I, I started at that point, I knew someday I wanted to own my own company. It was just a matter of evolving into what exactly I had ideas back then what I wanted to do. But, you know, life kind of really helps you find out what you're really passionate about. So um, I knew I wanted to move the ideas that I had, you know, kind of were more complicated than what Beergram is today. But the whole 
everything that I was kind of driving towards, I thought it was just, I thought that search in of itself was very inefficient and so and and how we collect data on the internet at the time but when I went back when I dropped out of law school um, so but my desires were not just compiling lists but it was how I was socially sharing them with my friends and even beyond that I kind of when I got married and I had a baby I thought it was a really it was a pity that the only time you're allowed to share this list of things that you want is when you get married or if you have a child. I thought, what about the rest of the population? Not to mention, there's a lot of things that could be shared socially because we're so connected now. We have Facebook and Twitter, but there wasn't a really there wasn't an easy, tangible way to interact. So if, I, if I'm friends with you and we're engaging every day, but you live in another state, which is very common for a lot of people on Facebook because they're, you know, half their friends are from high school. So what do I do for you? I don't really know who you are anymore because it's been years since I've physically had contact with you and I get the best parts of you on your social feed, right? I'm not, you know, so if I wanted to do something just that was a tangible interaction, what, what would it be? And, and how do I get away with doing that several times a month, not breaking my wallet, and please don't make me shop online. That was the other thing, is that I will, I mean, like if, you, if you just, you know, going into data and looking at how much sales, brick and mortar, they'll do like 8% from online, majority comes from in-store, but people have a better experience online because they get ratings and reviews, et cetera, et cetera, but nobody really enjoys doing it. So shopping for your friend is even harder. So for me, it was, there's a couple of things. It's it's beer, it's craft beer, and it's coffee because I'm also a, um, a big, you know, then there's wine, there's whiskey, and there's lots of other, these goods that... The groups, the the groups of goods, right? That, that, that people yes. become, yeah. um, I, you know, either experts in or attached to or addicted to, you know, you know, um, yes. but yeah. like they're, they're, they're almost, they're hobbies sometimes, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. And they're very passionate about, like, for example, just if you look at the craft beer industry and what's been going on, what's been brewing, you know, for, for several years, currently in the U.S. there's about 2,400 craft breweries and there's over 1,300 slated to open in this, in, you know, in uh, 2013 alone. So you have this really dynamic market where people are looking for, you know, that small batch brew. When is it going to be available? And it becomes like, I call it baseball cards for adults, basically, because you want to collect, the, you want to not just taste it, but you want to collect that moment. And you want to share that moment. So we have like this two-layered model where people are able to do something that, you know, we call social touch. It's inexpensive. It's accessible. So you, and you're not, you know, the friend that's receiving it gets this really cool experience because the beer gram, you buy it uh, via the app and it's, it's sent to their mobile. And so they can redeem it whenever they want. It's the beer gram actually lives on the iPhone and, um, you know, you're as a friend to treat somebody socially, you just, you purchase it within the app. That is Andrea Sanchez. She is a co-founder of Beergram. You can go to uh, Beergram at uh, B-E-E-R-G-R dot A-M. Like it spells Beergram, but it's a dot A-M at the end. Uh, very fascinating. Uh, you know, the difference between something like this and all the other, uh, you know, beer distribution companies and, and sites that are out there is that this is very, very, very specialized, highly local, um, you, you know, and, and the, I think the challenges for her are, are distri distribution, getting this out to as many craft breweries as she can. And uh, I mean, if she has to go to every single one to test it, I think that there's a, a, um, a desire to do that. And I really appreciate the fact that uh, she had a chance to come on and we are very thankful that she allowed us to use that clip for this week in location-based marketing. I, I like, I like, I mean, Canadians and beer. I was trying to explain to her the relationship that Canadians have with beer. And, um, and I said, we spent our entire winter kind of, you know, at least in the, in the, you know, the Northeast hemmed in with snow, like, a, you know, it's six foot, seven foot snow banks outside. Um, but if you offered free beer, she was saying that she had a challenge at South by Southwest because p nobody really was interested in free beer anymore, right? Because it's free yeah. everywhere. And I said, look, you know what? Bring that up to Canada. We will we will leave our homes in winter for free beer, right? <laughs> uh, we, like, you know, there's a, I, I will walk 25 miles in the snow to get a free beer in winter um, if she did that. And she was, she was impressed with our dedication to the craft of beer drinking and goes hand in hand. Yes. 
the Battle of Ontario that's happening tonight, Ottawa versus Toronto. Yeah. Uh, it does. So uh, beer gram, yeah. beer gram. Um, just go to beer gram, but the it's b e e r g r dot a m. Thank you, thank you, Andrea, for coming on. That's our guest. Okay. All right. Um, our next story, actually, our next two stories are or uh, acquisition uh, based stories. Uh, the first is Apple, uh, who we talked about last week, is back at it again, and uh, this time uh, they've acquired a company called Wi-Fi Slam. Uh, t- uh, reports are about twenty million dollars uh, for this deal for this acquisition. Uh, Wi-Fi Slam is a company that. Uh, is a is a technical company that's been um, you know, kind of working in the indoor location or indoor positioning space. We keep talking about this space; it doesn't go away. Uh, it's the hottest thing out there, according to Forbes. Um, and we, you know, we we seem every almost every other week at least to have something to talk about around indoor indoor location or indoor positioning. Um, this time, it's an acquisition, um, and we we know Apple's had some challenges with their Maps products and. And uh, you know, and, and their Wi-Fi capabilities, and I think this this is uh, this is a good a good thing for them. Uh, this is a solid company, been around for a little while. Uh, they've got some good backend technology around Wi-Fi triangulation or trilateration, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and um, you know, th- this is just a pure um, you know technical acquisition. This is you know, there's there's some IP here. There's some great people that understand the space. Uh, Apple wants to get better in this space. Uh, don't be surprised if you see this uh, layered into their maps, uh, their own maps product uh, shortly. Uh, you know, we know Google's got very strong indoor location and uh, Wi-Fi capabilities uh, layered on top of their maps, and Apple wants to make sure that they're, they're catching up to that. Um, so this is how they do it. Pretty straightforward. I got a question about this, Asif, around, um, you know, indoor, it's interesting, but these guys, um, they're using Wi-Fi, um, which is... Yep. Yeah, and we've talked about uh, the Moves app uh, as well, uh, you know, kind of leveraging everything and at the last moment kind of going up for a real GPS satellite to device communication, right? Um, that's got to be for battery consumption, right? They're trying to mitigate the, the, the drain on the mm-hmm. battery. Well, with the Moves app, yeah. for sure, because it's always on. But even with right? these guys, I mean, this is a natural extension. I was reading an article uh, in Fast Company that said this is a natural extension to the way that Apple does already does their uh, their location services. Remember, they got into a whole, you know, a host of yep. hot water around um, having the unencrypted file of location, um, air, the locations that you visited uh, that the phone tracks. But that's really to enable the... Um, the semblance of faster location services, right? So that they cache it, they they know where you are based on the triangulation of uh, of cell towers and Wi-Fi. Uh, so this was an this seems like this company uh, was a natural fit that that they can just bring right in with very I always say this like very little um, challenges integrating it into their business. Yeah, and and I think it's it'll be interesting to see how they roll this out because you know from a developer's perspective, uh, you know when you're when you're developing. For BlackBerry or, or Android, um, and you're looking to incorporate sort of Wi-Fi positioning stuff, that's relatively easy in those platforms. I mean, the the systems are pretty open from a developer's perspective in terms of doing that. For Apple, not so much so. Um, and, and there's been a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, Apple it tends to be a closed, fairly closed system. They try to control, you know, the way ads get displayed. They try to control the way you connect to Wi-Fi networks. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and and this seems to be a bit of a departure uh, around that kind of thinking, at least around indoor, because you know they, they I think Apple understands, and we've been certainly talking about it enough on this show that you know there, there's huge opportunity here around you know how brands, how advertisers, how people want to engage with people when they're inside of stores, inside of buildings, um, and Apple I think is you know up until now has been fairly closed to that opportunity, other than you know their own controlling environment of Passbook and things like that. So uh, I think if you see this layered into Passbook or into Maps, um, you know, I think it, it becomes a little bit a little bit easier for, for the developer to kind of be able to leverage that indoor positioning piece. So I expect to see this coming shortly. Um, you know, it seems like a fairly easy integration, as you said. Maybe in iOS seven, we'll see. And for twenty million dollars, like Apple, uh, you know, I don't think that they ever released what they what uh, what they bought Siri for a couple of years ago. Um, but it was a yeah. small, it was a micro transaction compared to the things that we've been hearing out in the marketplace these days for some of the companies. Yeah. And and 
This seems like a pretty reasonable valuation. Like, I think so. You know, in terms of, of how much cash uh, Apple has in the bank and their ability to go buy, you know, a TV network or two or all five of them, or, you know, um, a $20 million acquisition, strategic acquisition like this that enhances a service, uh, you, you know, and I think that even talking the fast uh, company article about, you know, enhancing and, and uh, even further integration with Siri. So I love these little... You know, small buys like that. Um, you know, it's like sabermetrics in baseball, right? Where you look, at, you're looking at a different metric to bring into that augments something that 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 your existing service plus this little acquisition uh, equals a, a, you know an exponential growth as opposed to going out and spending a mm. billion dollars on a company that uh, that has a huge audience that that will, you're going to have challenges integrating into your company. So, I like I like these little tiny little buys. Um, so uh, we'll see how this will this plays out. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, our next story, um, our fifth story here, is about a, a big enterprise data company that uh, has been around for a long, long time called Tibco, uh, acquiring a company out of uh, France called Mapparama. Um, and I didn't actually see uh, any numbers on this one, but uh, the, the, you know, Tibco is a big, big player. I mean, we're talking about publicly traded company, four thousand enterprise customers. Um, you know, been making a lot of acquisitions in the last little while. But, uh, you know, when you talk about enterprise software, you talk about, you know, SAPs and, you know, people like that. Tipco's kind of in that category of, you know, supply chain management, uh, you know, um, enterprise, you know, systems management, Salesforce software management, all that kind of stuff is what we're talking about when you talk about Tipco. And then you think about, okay, you know, how do we bring location-based services or geodata on top of that? And, and we know, for example, if you take a company like Salesforce, they've been looking hard at layering, you know, real-time location services on top of that. So if you think about, um, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a sales guy working for, you know, a company and I'm out making sales calls in a particular neighborhood and I've got two calls that day and I finish those calls early and, you know, what, wouldn't it be great if I can get a push notification that you know, sends out to me, hey, since we know you're there right now, there's this other business over here that we'd like you to call on, uh, which is, you know, 2.2 kilometers from where you are. Um, here's directions on how to get there. Go knock on on them as well. Uh, and, 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 you know, that kind of thing in terms of, you know, layering location data on top of these enterprise systems becomes really interesting. Uh, and these guys have some big, big clients. When I mean, we were talking with Chevron and Kraft and AT&T and you know people like that, I mean that that use the, this software. So, Mapparama, um, you know, is is obviously all about geolocation data. Uh, they've been around for a long time, uh, as well. Um, I don't know again the details of of the size of this transaction, but we know Tipco. Um, you know, they bought a company last year called LogLogic for $130 million. So that kind of might give you uh, some parameters around the types of size of acquisitions that these guys do. Um, but we'll see where this goes. But, but we know the whole B2B world of location is just starting, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of consumer-facing things, but, you know, that whole back end, you know, how do we layer location services and big data and, and, and targeting and and you know like, like with the Loku stuff, I mean it's it's not really that different. It's just you know how do we how do we take this stuff and layer it as an additional value element on top of our supply chain software or on top of our Salesforce software or on top of our you know fleet management systems or, or what have you. So that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's incremental uh, knowledge and analytics that that happens. But you know it's um, it's uh, contextual, it's inference, but it has to be seamless and it cannot be complicated. It just has to be there at the right time at the right place, right? And that's um, and, yeah. and you know as these companies arm themselves, which I think this is what's happening right here. Uh, you know, th this technology is never proven, and there's gonna there's room for more than one company that does does all of these things. But you know what you're talking about is the termination point, and this is why I believe so. You know, it's so heavily in the concept of mobile and pervasive computing is that you know at the end of the day, what you've got is all of this information. So these guys, uh, you know, in the background. Um, so you've got Tibco, you've got Mapparama, you've got Apple, and and all the all, all the manufacturers, and you've got you know, Wi-Fi companies, and you've got carriers, and all that data that's kind of floating out there. And then it just kind of if you picture this device, and it just comes into this device. And it, it's a big jumble of garbage, right? It's like all this data. It's like it's ones and zeros and it's and it's everything and it's location. And then what comes up on the screen is one number 
or one thing or exactly as you said yeah. go two kilometers that way because you got to talk to that customer it is the inputs that everybody's fighting for right now but that output has to be so seamless you have to understand what the outcome is going to be and and that's why i believe that whatever this form looks like it might it's not going to be a smartphone forever it's not going to be a tablet it's definitely not going to be google glass which is ridiculous but it's going to be something and it's going to be always around us that just takes all that stuff and puts it into one spot and and mm -hmm. we're starting to get there with some of the smart apps and we're starting at that base layer of calendaring and task lists and all that kind of stuff but i would be watching that industry to see how they're bringing in all that information it seems so simple but this is in essence what uh you know what tibco is doing with all this data and uh and when they when they partner with uh with salesforce and when they bring all that information in it, it just it has to terminate somewhere and it's going to terminate in these devices that we carry or on a dashboard in your car or a screen wherever you are and i think that that's why that's why we love this industry and that's why we're just on the fringe we it hasn't even begun yet so yeah i'm right with you on that it's uh you know there's a lot of a lot a lot of uh, yet to be done here uh because you know i'm canadian i always like to say we're still in the first half of the first period of the hockey game so uh, there's plenty of time. Um, you know, you could be you could be down three goals, and there's still time. So. Exactly. Yeah. There's the worst lead in for those of you who don't know the worst lead in the hockey game is the two goal lead. It's just statistically, it's so it's like you cannot rest on a two goal lead. For our last story, this is where we combine location and art. It's a fusion of new age art and location and old school rap. I you know I I don't know how to do this any better. I don't know how to describe it any better than that. Uh, this is, I mean, I love New York City, and uh, New York City is the subject of so many different songs, rap songs, album covers, books, movies, and it is a, an historical city. And, and there are points and uh, places of reference that you don't know. You know, you just don't know that they're talking about this location inside of a song or a movie or, or a or a book. And uh, so I love this little location-based rap lyric uh, sign art display. How's that for something? I don't even know how to describe it any better than that. Rap quotes is a project that plots the exact locations of corners and just very specific locations mentioned in rap songs. You're the next contestant. Get your pockets dug from all your chemical bankings. Call them at the red light or put them avenue in Franklin. A lot of rappers call out their block. When you're on a corner that's called out in a song, I think it's cool to know that. The first one I thought of was Big L. 139 in Lenox Ave, there's a big park. And then it became sort of a scavenger hunt. So we're about here. I'm thinking we go downtown and do the J. Roo sign and then work our way back. Fucked up street yeah, it's really cool. So th this guy, uh, Jay Shells, is the name of this artist. He's a street artist. He's done stuff in subways. He's done stuff with animals. He's done stuff with human behavior. Uh, he's kind of all over the place, so always trying to find something new. And uh, so what he's done here is... is uh, He's taken lyrics from rap songs from Kanye West, Jay-Z, uh, Moss Def, Nas, you know, a whole bunch of different people where in their songs, in their lyrics, they reference places in New York City. So it might be an intersection, it might be a street, it might be a building, whatever it is. And then he's created, uh, as he does with all of his art, you know, these kind of street signs, so to speak, um, with the lyrics printed on them and place them at the place, at the actual location that's been referenced in, in the lyrics. So uh, it's just a great way to kind of bring a, you know, an exposure, if you will, to, to that lyric in context of, of where it actually is, it, the place it's actually referencing. I love this kind of stuff. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity here between, you know, to, to fuse art, music, uh, and location. We've talked about bands that have started recording albums based on location like Blue Brain. We've talked about, you know, what Spun's been doing. You know, around this kind of stuff, and I think this is this is a, a you know an untapped area. And you think about media companies that have all kinds of great content, 
you know, this is how they should be starting to kind of push that content out based on location. So uh, I love this stuff. I, I have nothing else to add. I, I mean, I just this is this is the the true blending of uh, of art and location and technology and music and uh, like. So I, I'm 100% behind this, and I think that there's not everything has to be a physical representation like a street sign because you can do this in the digital layer like you, you mentioned spun uh did that they had an ability to take a an article uh, it was uh, it might have been from the gothamist around um famous album covers shot in new york city and they had the ability to mm. add a location layer which was listen when i'm walking past that place notify me because i want to see it in real life so this is where they filmed or they took the you know the cover of the bob dylan album and uh and you could get a kind of um you know a location aware uh, notification that said this you're standing in that location and i think that stuff to me makes makes uh tourists uh tourist attractions and and this kind of artistic uh interpretation something that is uh, uh tangible real so uh, god I, I, I love this stuff i love this stuff this is where location and art just put together it, uh, it's a uh it's a, a great display very cool so if you're interested you in that, you can go to uh, animalnewyork.com. Uh, you do a, a search for uh, Jay Shell's rap quotes, um, or you can uh, just look it up on the Gothamist. There's a great article with a bunch of uh, photos on that as well. And uh, if you're interested in the spun stuff, just get go to getspun.com. All right, those are the six stories. That is our app fascination with visible.com. That is our guest, which is Beer Graham and uh, the co-founder, Andrea Sanchez. One last piece of uh, business here, uh, an organization uh, called Roundbuzz um, released a white paper location, SMS white paper. This is a, uh, uh, you know, it's not new to us, but uh, but certainly, why don't you give us a little bit of detail about what that is? Yeah, so these guys are, Roundbuzz obviously, uh, you know, is a location SMS platform. Uh, so they put out this white paper to kind of share some of the key stats around uh, how SMS is, uh, is evolving. You and I, uh, you know, love SMS. We think it's a, it's a good uh, engagement channel from a location pers perspective. Uh, so they've pulled a bunch of data together here. Uh, apparently, uh, in terms of what people do with their mobile devices, the number two thing after taking a picture 80% of uh, folks use their phone to send or receive SMSs. Not a big surprise there. Uh, what is interesting, though, is um, when you scan kind of down down this uh, piece here, they talk about um, you know some location uh, elements and some offers uh, data. So they say that 42% um, of consumers prefer to receive SMS-based coupons over bar uh, barcode scanning. Um, so that's interesting to kind of show the the sort of adoption rates uh, of an SMS-based offer over a sort of one that's just directly delivered to the mobile device in the form of a barcode. Um, you know, and um, you know, there's some good data in here about location-specific uh, offers. Uh, you know, just a good all-round primer, if you will. Um, not their own data necessarily. They pulled together data from various sources, which is always a good thing. So it's it's been kind of correlated with with a number of other sources. But if you're interested in SMS and location and offers and how all that fits together, take a look at this. We'll have it up on the LBMA site under LBMA, thelbma.com forward slash research. Uh, round buzz, brand reach, customer initiated, location verified, location plus SMS equals results. It's a great a great resource and uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and, you know, SMS uh, for me is now the way that I communicate with uh, the great majority of people that I want to communicate communicate with. I'm a curmudgeon when it comes to the doorbell and a phone. Those are interruptions, right? SMS at least is a uh, is a is a controlled conversation, right? So mm. uh, this is this is very cool. So round buzz um, and uh, download it at uh, thelbma.com forward slash research. It's about 13 pages. Great read. Good concept. Good overview. And for those people who think that SMS is dead, just like those people think that email is dead, they may be a little broken. We may be a little bit, um, you know, through a transition stage, but certainly it's a very effective open rate, very effective tool for, for marketing and communication. So, um, and, I, and I would go to back to uh, Shuli Lowy, who talked about, um, from Ping Mobile, who talked about effective uses. We had this here on an episode a couple of weeks ago, talking about a, you know a great way to segment your SMS audience based on location, and instead of just assuming their location, ask them to sign up for specific lists based on their location. So if you are in New York or you are in California, or San Francisco or, or San Diego or Ottawa or Toronto, sign you know set up specific lists for those locations. So um, uh, you know just segmenting strategy, and it works very well because it's got such a high open rate. So. Here you go. Very, 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 very cool. So, th th you know, that's it. Episode number 123 done. 
Uh, I got to remind everybody that uh, if you are listening to this prior to Wednesday, April 3rd, uh, or on Wednesday, April 3rd, and you are in the San Francisco area, please come out and meet us. Come and shake our hands. Um, you know, we really want to meet as many of you as possible that are listening to this. We've met a great number of them, of you guys out there. So please, just why not you? Why not come out and hang out and, and introduce yourself to us, introduce yourself to the guys that are speaking? Hey, free, free beer. beer. Oh, yeah, that doesn't work so well in the States yet. No, no. Well, it works at all. <laughs> I'm traveling. I'm traveling four thousand miles for free beer. That's exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah. No, but come on, guys. Like, yeah, we'd love to meet you in person. Um, and you know, I, I, when do you get to sit down with Scott Caviton or Rip. Uh, Blair Sweden from Placecast? Rip Gerber. Or, you know, yeah, any know. of these guys, Pushpoint Mobile. Yeah. You know, Rip from Locate. I mean, th- these guys. I mean, there's just uh, phenomenal minds. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of interesting things that we can glean from them. So, yeah, come on out uh, the evening of the 3rd, San Francisco. Meet Rob. Like this meet guy me. Over here, right? We'll be there. Please, come out. But if you can't make it, hey, listen, we'll be back for episode number 124 next week with a wrap-up of that. I'm also going to be in San Francisco for a two-day uh, summit, a mobile summit done by VentureBeat. Can't wait for that. It's an invite-only 180-person uh, conference, and it's about, I think it's tackling the big issues around mobile and pervasive computing. So I will uh, hopefully give you a little bit of a rundown of that as well. And if, again, if you are in the San Francisco area, you want to connect with me, reach out, rob at untether.tv. Let's get together. Come on, even if it's a quick coffee, I'd love to. I'd love to connect with you. And uh, if you can't do that, just show up on April 3rd at, uh, at Edelman, um, and we will shake hands then. So, until then, Asif, do we have anything else to say? Have we said anything? No, I think we're good. That's it. I have one thing. Uh, go sends, and uh, we'll see you uh, next week for episode number 124 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. See you later, everybody. <laughs>